Today is Pentecost Sunday, and when we hear the term Pentecost, there are a lot of ideas maybe that are attached to that that you have. If you grew up around classical Pentecostalism, you may equate the term with legalism. Uh, So the mere hearing of that word sometimes brings some skepticism uh, to people. In fact, I've met many people who have attended churches that I've served that really have defiantly said, I'm not Pentecostal. They equate Pentecostal to wearing certain clothes or staying away from certain things. And whatever terminology that you want to use or don't want to use, I want you to understand something this morning is that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the initial experience occurred on the day of Pentecost. So my hope today is to give you a solid teaching on the Holy Spirit from the occurrence on the day of Pentecost. If you've got a Bible and you want to open it today, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 is where I'm going to be. If you're watching online today, you can go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app. You can do that as well. Or you can pull out the notes that were in the bulletin this morning and follow along with us this morning. There, there are several things I want us to see through this passage of Scripture, but let's read it first. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. There's several things I want us to see this morning. Write this in your notes this morning. Pentecost marked the beginning of a new season of harvest. Pentecost marked the beginning of a new season of harvest. If you look at verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, there was something significant about the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was nothing more than a Jewish festival. It, it was never intended to be the label that many have turned it into. Pentecost was this a- annual Jewish festival. It was also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Day of the First Fruits. It was a celebration of the first buds of the harvest. Jewish men were required by law to to go to the Jerusalem three times each year to celebrate the major feast. And and, and they they did the Passover in the spring, then Pentecost, which was seven weeks and a day later. And then uh, they would would, uh, celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles at the end of the harvest in the fall. And Leviticus chapter 23 details those dates and rituals of the Jewish festival calendar if you want to read that later at, at, at your convenience. And those who became Christians on Pentecost, what we believe is that they were the first fruits of a vast harvest of millions of souls. It's the beginning of a new season. It's the start of what we would refer to as the church. It took a ragtag group of disciples into this worldwide movement that we see today. It was a new season. Donald Stamps writes this, he said, Pentecost symbolizes for the church the beginning of God's spiritual harvest of souls in the world. People coming to know him personally. The events during this particular Pentecost celebration marked a dividing line between the Holy Spirit's occasional presence and temporary empowerment on certain individuals as seen in the Old Testament and his continual presence and sustained empowerment now available to all of God's people. And on this particular day, he filled the believers with his presence, and he remained with them. 
Later on in Acts chapter 2, we see the defining moment when those first harvest of souls took place. In Acts 2.37, it says, Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the apostles, other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. If the power of the Holy Spirit is not accompanied by harvest, then we are missing the true fullness of what the spirit being spirit empowered is all about. Let me say that again because I think we have, we need to understand something. In order for us to be truly spirit empowered, we got to see harvest. It has to be more than just making us feel good with spiritual doodads running up and down our back. It has to be more than just just an experience. It has to reach the lost because that's what Pentecost was truly all about the harvest of the first fruits the Holy Spirit gives us the necessary power then to share our faith and reach those that are away from God Luke chapter 24 verse 49 and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised but stay here into the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven everybody say the word power Acts 1.8, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive, say that word again, power, and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, our Jerusalem right, is right here in Sulphur Springs. Our Judea is Hopkins County. It's the surrounding areas. Our Samaria is Texas. is is the surrounding areas and to the ends of the earth. We talked about that this morning with going into all the world and giving hope through our hope partners God has given us this message, but he also gives us the power to be able to share that message of hope. And so for the disciples, the promise was received on the day of Pentecost and was continually practiced throughout their lives. Second thing I want you to see this morning is that Pentecost was an outflow of the disciples' unity. It was an outflow of their unity. It was an outflow of their unity. Verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. The King James uses the term, they were meeting, they were with one accord. It's not talking about a Honda. It's not a car. It's, it's It's a mindset. That means being with one mind. This was standard practice in the early church. In Acts 1, between the ascension and the day of Pentecost, we see them united in prayer. Acts 1.14, they all met together, and they were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several of the women, and the brothers of Jesus. Let me say this. Division is a tool of the enemy. Thank you, Steve. That's a good place for an amen. Amen. Division is a tool of the enemy, 
We, we are seeing it right now in our world. He wants to divide the church. He wants to put brother against brother. He wants to divide us. He wants to divide the body of Christ over doctrine. He wants to divide the body of Christ over leadership decisions, over political agendas. If he can drive a wedge in the church, he's going to use whatever method is necessary. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what we're seeing in this world because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the tool that he's using right now in our culture is division. He's dividing people. One of our values at Hope is to be a spirit-empowered church, and if we truly want to be spirit-empowered, we must be unified. Unity comes when we are united in prayer as the early disciples were. Now, we, we this morning, Pastor uh, Ben on the announcements talked about youth camp, and he talked about the camps that are coming up. One of the reasons that camp is successful is because when people go there, they know that God is going to move. They come with a united expectation that God is going to move in my life this week. God is going to move. We're going to see that. And so people are praying. People are expecting. It's the same thing when, when you have a special service or some special emphasis. When we all come with a like mind ready, there's power in that because we're praying for the same thing. We're believing for the same thing. We're asking God for the same thing. It's one of the reasons why we give you a prayer guide and we got an updated one at the back this morning morning the reason we give you a prayer God is because we want to be united in prayer because we expecting God to move on our behalf amen one of my favorite quotes as it relates to what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 is from Mark Batterson he said this he says you can't plan Pentecost let me elaborate on that thought he he writes this he says from the vantage point of the disciples the day at Pentecost was totally unplanned it's not like the disciples woke up that morning thinking, I feel like speaking in a foreign tongue today. They had no category for what was about to happen. It was unprecedented. It's not like they made an appointment to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't prepare a three-point sermon, and they certainly didn't pack a change of clothes for the baptism. He goes on to write, there's no way that they could have predicted what was about to happen. You can't plan Pentecost, but if you seek God for 10 days in an upper room, Pentecost is bound to happen. See, see, we, we live in an American culture, and in the American culture, we want everything at, at, at the touch of a button. We want everything to happen quick. We want to be able to put our food in a microwave and, and, and do two minutes. We want to drive through, and we've even got it now where they'll deliver it to us because we, we're too lazy to get in the car to go uh, drive through to pick up our food. We have gotten so accustomed to everything being done for us that we're not willing to tarry in prayer and saying, God, I, I'm going to stay here here until you move in me. God, I'm not getting up from this altar until you move in me. God, I'm not getting up from this side of my bed until you move from me with me, move in me. God, I want you to move. And listen, when we come united in prayer, and it's not just me praying, but it's you praying, it's your family praying, it's us seeking God together, Pentecost is bound to happen. Third thing this morning, Pentecost was a supernatural experience. Look at verse 2. He says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, there's a couple of different phenomena that take place here. We see the sound of a mighty windstorm and, look, and what looked like 
flames or tongues of fire. And throughout Scripture, we can kind of see some similar phenomena that take place uh, when there's a theophany. A theophany is an appearance of God, an intense manifestation of the presence of God that is accompanied by some kind of extraordinary visual display. So throughout Scripture, we see other theophanies of, of wind and fire. In fact, when Elijah ran away from Jezebel, we see God moving with wind and fire. In 1 Kings 19, go out and stand on the mountain before me on the, the mountain, the Lord told him. And, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were turned loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a general whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God didn't speak in the fire that day. He didn't speak in the wind, but he, he spoke in the whisper. God can move in all of those things. He can move in the fire. He can move in the wind. He can move in the whisper. He can move in the earthquake. God chooses different methods and different ways to move at different times and different seasons. And we see here how he used fire and wind to illustrate his power with Elijah. But he chose to actually speak with a gentle whisper. Using these elements on the day of Pentecost shows the supernatural aspect of the Holy Spirit. This is not something we work up. It's not emotionalism. It's something that is powerful that comes from the very God himself. The next thing I want you to see this morning is Pentecostal power is available to all believers. Everybody say the word all. Oh, come on. This side did really good, but you guys helped me out this morning. Everybody say the word all. All. Thank you. Very much. He says in verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. We refer to this as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people would call it being filled with the Spirit. Some people call it being filled with the baptism. <laughs> I think there's some terms that we've, we've used over the years, but the technical term that we use in our doctrine is baptism in the Holy Spirit. From our statement of fundamental truth, let me explain. It says all believers are entitled to and should ardently expect and earnestly seek the promise of the Father. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire according to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was the normal experience of all in the early Christian church. With it comes the endowment of power for life and service, the bestowment of the gifts, and their uses in the work of the ministry. All believers, did you see that? All believers are entitled to and should ardently expect and earnestly seek. So let me ask this question. Can you get to heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. That... We believe the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, 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 is uh, 
in addition to salvation. It's, it's not, you don't have to be saved. Uh, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved. It's an additional work. It's, it's something else. It's an additional gift of God. But here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Why would you settle for less than all God has for you? When I was growing up, one of the shows, you know, we had three channels back in those days, ABC, NBC, and CBS, right? These kids today, they don't understand that. They've got 300 shows, 300 channels, all these streaming things, and they still can't find anything to watch. And so, you know, you, you could memorize the, you know, what was coming on every day because the same thing came up, I mean, same channel every day. So at 10 o'clock was... The Price is Right. Come on, uh, everybody in my generation knew it. The Price is Right. So can you imagine somebody going to The Price is Right and they they like play the little uh, games and all of a sudden, uh, you know, they get the price right and so they win the toaster oven and they're there and everybody's clapping, they get the toaster oven, but then they get to the final round and, and they win the new car and they're like, nah, I don't want that. So many of us win salvation. We get salvation, but we want to stop there. We're like, I I don't want anything else from God. When you're missing out on one of the greatest gifts that are available to believer, giving you power from on high, giving you spiritual gift. And listen, God's got something. It's called the gift of the spirit for a reason. It's a gift from God. It's not something that's required of us, but it's something that's available to us. And all we've got to do is reach out and receive what he has, the promise of the father. When talking about the need for baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jeff Leake rightfully declared, he said, you must recognize your need for something more before God can release something amazing in and through your life. Self-dependency is the enemy of a supernatural life, the life God has in mind for you. Think about that word supernatural. It means above and beyond what is naturally possible. It involves accessing a power that is not within our natural selves. It describes what happens when God gets involved with people who are willing to trust him. See, there are people that you need to reach in your life, that you need God's supernatural power to reach. There are gifts that God wants to release in you that need his power. There are assignments that God wants to give you, but he can't as long as you're operating in your own strength. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is available for you, and it's for all believers. It's not for a select group of people. It's for everybody. We're waiting. God's waiting for you to receive the gift that he has given to you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is available for you and for all believers. We see this in Acts 8 with the people of Samaria. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. So what what happened? They'd gotten saved. Look at verse 15. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me give you this. This is from one of our, our pamphlets that, that we put out years ago in the Assemblies of God. It was written by one of our executive presbyters at the time, Richard Dreiselhaus. And he said this, one thing the believer should do is to seek the baptizer rather than the baptism. 
It is Jesus who baptizes believers in the Holy Spirit. Seekers should focus their attention on him rather than on an experience. There are other steps that if taken will assist seekers. He said, number one, understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. It should be received with gratitude, giving thanks to the giver. It can't, listen, it cannot be earned or merited. It can only be accepted with an open and willing heart. Be fully, number two, be fully persuaded that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is both biblically and doctrinally correct. Three, confess any known sin in your life and resolve to live a righteous life with God's help. Four, begin to worship God with expressions of praise and adoration. Five, express to the Lord Jesus, who is the baptizer, a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit for his glory. And six, yield to any deep welling up within your spirit and allow it to break through in expressions of worship, praise, and adoration in an unknown language to you, but meaningful to God. So that brings me to my final point. Pentecost released spiritual gifts in the lives of the believers. Look at verse 4. And everyone was present, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Here's the key per, part as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We believe, this is from our doctrine, that the baptism of believers in the Holy Spirit is witnessed by the initial physical sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. You say, Pastor, why do we believe that as a church? Because, listen, there's more spiritual gifts than just tongues. Let me help us out. Go, go look at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. You, you see there's other things besides tongues, but we believe that the initial, that's the first sign. It's not the only sign. It's the first sign. It's the first physical evidence of the Holy Spirit is, is speaking in the tongues. Why? Because we see it on the day of Pentecost. Look, we see it at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, and the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they recognized the evidence of tongues as, as a reason why they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 19, verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. So more of the gifts were now in operation. But, but the first one was speaking in other tongues as the spirit gave them this ability so the bible does not give another initial physical evidence when others received the holy spirit the the initial physical evidence was not documented so we believe based on the continuity based on the evidence that we see in scripture we believe that uh, when you receive the holy spirit that the that tongues is the initial physical evidence because of the pattern that we've seen set in the word of god it's the way one can tell that you have been filled with the spirit so I remember the very first time that I spoke with, uh, in, in other tongues. I was eight years old. I went to kids camp at, at, at the old Mountain View camp in Jacksonville, Texas. Uh, a, a beautiful piece of property where they took every sneaking tree off the top. And, and, you know, it was like a bald guy that just has, the, the, you know, 
the hair around, you know, the halo, uh, you know, going around. That's what they did to our camp. And, and we were there. We were in the middle of worship. You know, I don't know. We might have been singing Father Abraham. Who, who knows? But we were singing songs of worship and praise. Uh, and, and as I was singing, nobody laid their hands on me. Nobody touched me. I was just seeking for more of God. And I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave me the ability. This is a point where I was writing this message. And I stopped and I thought, man, I wish I had more time. Like, I wish I had more time to dig deeper into this, to give this a better explanation. In fact, we've shared entire series of messages on the Holy Spirit. We talked about the evidence. We talked about the baptism. We talked about the fruit. We talked about the gifts. And in fact, we'll do that again in the future, I'm sure, because it's our doctrine. It's our distinction as a church and as a movement. But we, I want you to see something this morning. We don't emphasize tongues because, as a badge of honor, as a, I'm better than you because I speak in tongues. We emphasize it because it's the evidence. It's the sign. It, but it's not the only gift of the Spirit. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says a spiritual given gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else the spirit gives the gift of healing he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while also another is given the ability to interpret what is being said it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, He alone decides which gift each person should have. So I wish I had time to unpack this. But I've already been speaking about 25 minutes this morning, and I know I'm going to lose you here in just a few moments. So here's what I'm, I want to give you. I, I put it in your notes. If you're watching online today, uh, it's there as well. There's three books. This is the book I recommend the most right now, Power for Life by Jeff Leake. I think it's an amazing book. I think it explains it. In fact, I gave it to one lady uh, who was a part of our church. She went home. She read the book. She started on Sunday. She read the book, and on Friday, she's vacuuming her house, cleaning her house, and was filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave her the ability. No one prayed for her. No one, no one laid their hands on her. She just received the gift of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? Come on, can we give God praise for that? So I love it. I love it. I, I believe there's power in knowledge, and some people have to have the knowledge in order. Like, I, eight years old, I didn't know. I didn't know what this Holy Spirit thing was about. I just knew I, I wanted more of God. I'm at kids' camp, and I, I want more of God. And, and so I'm praying, I'm at, and, I'm, and all of a sudden begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, and praying in, in my prayer language as the Spirit gave me the ability. I, I, I didn't have all the knowledge. In, in fact, I'm still am learning, and I'm still growing, and I'm still, I'm still understanding more and more every day. And I think I will do that until the day I pass, right? It's all, it's something a part of life, but this is a great resource that I would highly recommend. Another one is this, is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. It's by Stanley Horton. He's one of our great theologians in the Assemblies of God that uh, for many years his books have been, uh, you know, they have been, uh, I'm sure Ben and Zach probably both had to read his books. 
at Southwestern because he's, he's one of our key, uh, key theologians. And then uh, Living in the Spirit, it's by uh, uh, Dr. George Wood, the late Dr. George Wood, our former general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Amazing, amazing book about the Holy Spirit. These are incredible resources, and I would love to point you to that. I'd love to have a conversation with you if you want to have more there. You, you know, we probably can go back and put one of our old series on, online uh, that, that, that is there about the Holy Spirit. I want you to have the information because I want you to have the experience. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter addressed the cloud, he made a declaration about the gift of the Spirit. He said in Acts 2, verse 38, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. Our general superintendent, Doug Glay, in a 2017 article entitled, perpetuating the Pentecostal experience, and that's a tongue twister there that I probably didn't get right, but at least I didn't say a bad word in trying, okay? Here's what he said. Simply put, Pentecost is for everyone in every generation. He said, I pray that each generation in our fellowship will discover a true Pentecostal experience to help them counter the ideologies, both cultural and ecclesiastical, which are constantly bombarding the church. He says some ideologies attack our core beliefs and would cause a missional drift from our core values that recognize the Holy Spirit as a person, not an it. He is to be honored, respected, and worshiped as the third person of the Trinity that affirm the Bible as absolute truth and the foundation for the entire Christian experience. And let me interject here in his thought that we believe as a church that the Bible is our guidebook for living. The next thing he says is that it protects us from becoming merely institutional in our function and empowers us to move forward to keep fulfilling the vision statement resolved in the Second General Council of the Assemblies of God in Chicago, Illinois, that we commit ourselves and the movement to him for the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. And let me tell you, since that moment in time, the Assemblies of God has exploded around this, this world, not because we're trying to build our kingdom, but because we're trying to build his kingdom. The sun never sets on the assemblies of God because we are reaching the lost. We're giving everything we have, but we're doing it in a spirit-empowered manner. Movement to him for the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. We commit ourselves to that. He says this, each generation needs its own flesh, its own fresh outgoing Pentecostal experience. Ongoing. Man, I'm, let me pull my glasses off so I can read this. Let me say that again because this is key. Each generation needs its own fresh, ongoing Pentecostal experience. Just as we reject the cessationist view that miracles ceased with the New Testament church, and some people believe that, we intentionally seek and embrace lives and ministries that depend on and expect the Spirit's empowerment in each generation. This morning, church, I want you to understand. I want you to understand your pastor's heart today. One of our core values is we want to be a Spirit-empowered church. 
Very much. It's our distinctive. If we're not going to be spirit-empowered, we need to change our denomination, and I'm not willing to do that. Because here's the reality of it. It's bigger than the Assemblies of God. It's bigger than Hope Family Fellowship. This is Bible. This is doctrine. This is what God has given us, and it's a gift. Why would we not receive it? It's a gift. So wherever you're at on your faith journey, maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe you've been a part of this for a long time, and you've you've. You've like come, maybe you've received the Holy Spirit, but it's been 10, 15, 20 years since you used your prayer language. I believe this morning that God wants to move in your life. Let me say that again, because I want you to get this morning. I believe God wants to move in your life. This is Pentecost Sunday. It's a day that we celebrate because it's, it's, after, it's after we Easter, 50 days, seven, seven weeks after Easter. It's the day that we celebrate it in the life of the, of, of the church family. But I believe that God can move in your life wherever. If you're driving down the road and you need to pull over, please pull over because we don't want you to wreck. Because if those tears start flowing here in just a moment, we want, you, we want God to minister to you. If you're, if, you're, if, you, uh, if you're in your house and you just need to make an altar where you're at today, we want you to do that. Wherever you're at this morning, I believe that God, God is not limited by by space and time. He's not limited by, by, by this building. He's not limited by the four walls of this room. He's not limited by uh, looking at this at 11, 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. He, if you're watching this on Tuesday or Thursday, God can move in this moment. You've been prayed for. You've been, you, God, God, is, God is going to move in your life today. What he's looking is people who are open. He's looking for people who are open. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning. We're going to start today just by asking the Lord to forgive us of our sins. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, maybe you're here in this room and say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You need to get salvation first. You need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. If you're watching online today, you need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So moment, I'm going to count to three, and when I do, if that's you and you're in the room, say, Pastor, I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Lord, and say, would you raise your hand? If you're online, you can, you can send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv. We want to pray with you today. We want to believe with you. We want everybody to repeat this prayer after us here in just a moment. But first, I want to know if I'm praying for anybody in this room or online. If that's you, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Anybody in this room today? I'm going to invite you all to stand with me and let's pray this prayer together. If you're online this morning, would you pray it with us as well? Would you say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you're the Son of God who died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So this morning, I want us to respond to God. I want you, I pray today that we have people filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues in this room. Or somebody even online, we're praying for that today. So pastor, how do I receive the gift? I want to go back to the, 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 the six things that I told you earlier. We've got to understand that it's a gift. It's a gift. Everybody say it's a gift. It's a gift. And so it should be received with gratitude, giving thanks to the giver. It can't be earned. It can't be merited. It can only be accepted with an open and willing heart. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, am I open and am I willing? Am I open and am I willing to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today? Come on, right now, just pray and ask the Lord, God, am I open and am I willing? Maybe make that declaration and say, I am open, God. I am willing, and I thank you for the gift of the Spirit today. I've given you a, a, a solid doctrine this morning. I know it's short in time, but I've given you a solid doctrine this morning. This both biblically and doctrine correct. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. The third thing, confess any known sins in your life and resolve to live a righteous life. Come on, would you just take a moment right now? If there's something, I know we just prayed a prayer of salvation and rededication, but if there's something that you need to confess to the Lord right now, wherever you're at this morning, I, I, I want you just to confess that sin to him right now and just ask him for forgiveness across this room this morning. pray God for forgiveness of sin. Lord, the guilt and the shame that people have thinking they're not worthy of the gift right now. I pray God that you would just do away with that in their mind. God, that they would take captive every thought that presents itself against the knowledge of God and realize that they can receive this free gift that's from you. The fourth thing it says, begin to worship God with expressions of praise and adoration. Come on, I want us to sing the first verse of the course of this song as we worship the Lord for just a moment. Come on, Tisha, would you lead us today? I'm caught up in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. Come on, worship him, church, right now, across this room this morning. Caught up in you. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. Never want to leave. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. this line I just want you come on just right now in your own words and way would you just worship him would you just worship God we worship you we give you praise we give you glory we give you thanks today God for who you are Lord we bless your name come on if you feel comfortable lifting up your hands right now would you just lift them up across this room this morning God we love you today Lord you alone are worthy of our praise Jesus Lord, we worship you this morning. Oh, we worship. 
We worship you this morning. Now I'm going to ask us to pray this prayer together this morning. And if you, if you mean this in your heart today, if you mean this in your heart today, I believe that the Holy Spirit will fill you up. But we're just going to ask him today, God, would you fill us with your spirit? So will you repeat this prayer after me? Say, God, I believe in the Holy Spirit's power, the gift that it is, and that it's available for me. Now I ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, continue to worship him this morning. Come on, continue to worship him. And as you worship him, if you feel those, those words, if you've got a prayer language and you've already been filled, would you begin to speak in that unknown tongue today? Would you begin to pray right now across this room today? If you feel like you need to come to this altar for somebody to personally pray for you, would you step out this morning? I'm going to stand down here and I'm going to begin to lay hands on anybody who wants to be filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit today. If you want to get out from where you're standing today. Come on, begin to move this morning as Tisha leads us in this song. God This morning, if you have never received the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, I'm going to pray for two groups today. But you say, Pastor, I've never received it. I've never received it before. Then here's what I'm asking you to do right now. If, you, if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, I want it this morning. I want to know who I'm praying, praying with today. If that's you, I've never received the Holy Spirit before. Anybody in this room? If you have, and you say, here's the second group I'm praying with. You say, Pastor, I'm dry. I've been in a spiritual desert. I've been in a drought. I'm going to tell you something. God's ready to pour out his spirit of fresh and new on you today. Come on, friend. He's ready to do something. You say, Pastor, I'm dry. I need a fresh touch of the Spirit in my life. I need God to move. Listen, I believe in the power and that it's available to you today. If that's you, would you step out from where you're at this morning? And would you, would you just raise your hand right now so I know that it's you I'm praying with? Come on, there's somebody. I'm in a dead. Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. 
Now, now, now move beyond, just raising your hand. Come on, move down to the, to the altar. Sasha and I are going to pray for you this morning. We're going to ask God to move. Come on now, those of you that have raised your hands. And if you know, you see some of these others that have moved this morning, you know that you need a fresh touch today. Come on, begin to move. God wants to do a work in your heart today. God wants to do a work in your life today. Come on, you see some of these others that have moved today. You say, I just need a fresh touch this morning. I need God to move in my life. Listen, don't miss out on the gift. Don't stay happy with the toaster oven when you can have the brand new car. Get what God has in store for you today. You should begin to lead us this morning. Thank you, Jesus.
That's your prayer. Keep singing. And nothing else, nothing else will make it your prayer. I just want you. Thank you. 
Pentecost is a festival. It's a day. In, in the Jewish culture. But if we only make it a day in our culture, we've missed what the true gift of the Spirit is all about. So I'm asking you, as your pastor, if you start feeling dry, respond to God. You know what you can do? Put on a song, get in your room, find a prayer closet, come up to the church, respond during an altar service, begin to worship the Lord and just say, God, would you fill me again? Do you know the scripture that says, do not be drunk with wine, we're in excess. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That word be there is not just a be filled, it's not just a command, it, it, it's a continual command. Be being filled, be being filled. It's like some of us are, you know, we, we get filled up in a service and then we go out and, and, and we, you, you know, we, through life, we have to deal with people. We have to deal, a lot of educators in here, you got to deal with those parents and those kids. You got to deal with those parents. And, and you, you, you expand and you expand and you expand. But if you don't take that time to refill your spiritual tank, you're going to end up dry. But if you'll keep being filled, that's what God wants for your life. And listen. Maybe you came this morning and you didn't had no idea we're going down this path and you weren't quite ready. There's good news. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this altar or in this church. As I've told you before, I got filled when nobody was touching me. Nobody was, nobody was, I was just in the middle of worship and just began to sense the Holy Spirit moving in my life as an eight-year-old kid. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just started praying the Holy Spirit told you about the lady who starts vacuuming her floors and all of a sudden God touches her. She's just worshiping the Lord at her house and she gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's not about the place. It's about the willingness and the open heart. So why, why, do, why do some people, why is it that me as an eight-year-old kid, I just received the Holy Spirit like that? And others, it takes some prayers after prayers after time. I don't know. I wish I could explain it. It's not that God is unwilling. There's something that's going on within, inside of us. And, and so we have to get past whatever that middle block is. It's, it's not that we, we haven't earned it. It's not that we haven't deserved it. Because you heard me say it it's, it, it's a gift. What is it? It means that we just got to continue to seek. Sasha was this way. She had to continue to seek. And then all of a sudden she received the Holy Spirit. So don't get frustrated. Get curious. Let me say that again, because I think that's for somebody in this room. Don't get frustrated. Get curious. Start reading more about it. Take those resources that I, that I gave you and get all of them and start reading. Ask questions. Find somebody else because God wants to move in you. He said, why are you passionate about this? Because I'm passionate about lost souls. And I want to see people come to know Jesus. And I know in order for us to reach people in this culture, we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. Amen. Let me pray for you today. Father God, I thank you for this church family. God, I thank you for those that came with open hearts today that say, I'm ready to receive. 
God, there are those that are watching this or, 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 or will later watch this, and they're going to want to receive as well. And I pray, God, that you would pour your spirit out upon them where they're at. This is a promise for all believers. And I'm asking you today, Lord, to minister to them. Pray sons and daughters would prophesy, old men would dream dreams, young men would see visions. I pray that the Lord would add to the church those that were being saved, just like in the early days of Acts. I pray, God, that you would use these. And Lord, I pray for those that haven't received yet, they are curious that they would grow, they would grow in their knowledge, but they would also have the faith to step out into the experience. God, if there's a mental block, if there's something, God, you would deal with that. If it's just uh, an issue of understanding, help them to gain understanding. And I pray, God, that you would use them and use us so we could see the greatest evangelism this world has ever known. In Jesus' name. Now, will you bless your people? Would you make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them? And would you give them peace? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church family.